0: Next week, we'll be welcoming some new members into into formal belonging to this congregation. Um, They've belonged for quite a while already in that they've been involved and they've made the decision to make it official. And I just feel the need to warn them and everybody else um, who's sitting with this decision that being welcomed to membership in a Unitarian Universalist congregation means Being doomed to having sooner or later one of those conversations. Most of us have had it more than once. Maybe you've had it already, new members, if you've told people that you're active in this congregation. It goes like this you're sitting next to a new acquaintance, or um, talking with a co worker between meetings, or um, you're hanging around the house with your sister in law after Thanksgiving dinner and the acquaintance or co-worker or sister-in-law says so you're a unitarian what do you people all believe anyway and you squirm because in a way what we believe isn't the right question at all so that answering it is kind of like answering the question you know what do you feed your pet purple rhinoceros it's it you can't even answer it before you clear up some misconceptions so if you have practiced and i recommend that you do you might answer something like this we don't believe that any one religion or scripture or tradition has a corner on truth in fact since religions and scriptures are human creations um, they're prone to human failings as well as being insightful and beautiful and so we believe that each person has to decide for themselves what is true what is right how to live so we unitarian universalists draw on many traditions, many writings, including ones that people might consider secular, um, and we draw on our own reason and experience in order to know how we should live. And we also know that our beliefs are going to continue to change throughout our lives, So, so we don't freeze our beliefs where they are right now. I gave a capsule like this once to uh, a then um, new email friend um, who is not only several degrees more conservative than us Unitarian Universalists in his religious views, I mean, but has also had a lot of theological education, had a lot of these kind of conversations. And also he's not one to pull his punches. And so he replied after I gave my little speech via email, I would like you to explain how that's different from if it feels good, do it. This made me very glad that we were communicating via email, a medium that gave me time to take some deep breaths before I put together my response. It's kind of an annoying thing to say but i get what people mean when they ask questions like that because i think they're saying listen i'm used to there being a creed that spells out what you all believe or um a scripture that is the inerrant word of god or uh, a church hierarchy that you are supposed to obey and that tells you what is the right thing to do and believe or a set of theological dogmas that explain exactly what you can and cannot do. And since you've just told me that Unitarian Universalists don't rely on any of those things, how do you know what is the right way to live? How do you keep from just being, hey, whatever feels good? How do you incorporate humility as, as, um, as a poet says, E.E. E. Cummings, who, by the way, was a Unitarian, um, each of us is a, this is his beautiful term, lifted from the know of all nothing, human merely being. Right? We, don't, we, we don't always know what's right, we're, we're limited. Um, so isn't there a kind of hubris to thinking that you can find your own way and, and, and it'll be the right one? And if you have such a do-it-yourself faith, how does it continue to challenge you instead of just being the answers you want to hear? And all of these are good questions. Altogether, they make up a really good, fair question, and one that each one of us has to answer. And new Unitarian Universalists often ask very much the same thing condensed into this question. Can I believe anything I want? Now, many of us have probably even explained our church to outsiders in these words. I like it because I can believe whatever I want. And there's a problem with that. It's kind of a shorthand. Um, And I think what we really mean is we don't all have to believe the same things. And that's true, that's really, really true. And I think that would be a better way to put it because it's not true that each of us can believe anything we want. We can believe things that make sense. We can believe things that are true. We can believe things that lead us to a good life. And this matter of discovering which beliefs make sense, which beliefs, are true which beliefs will lead us to living a good life that's that's not easy that's not easy whether a unit you're a unitarian universalist or anything else so my friend by email correspondence acknowledged all this when he admitted that he knew perfectly well that it didn't solve anything to turn one's questions over to the Catholic Church Fathers or the Bible or the Maharishi, you know. I couldn't have put it better myself or to put it the way James Luther Adams did. He's one of our 20th century Unitarian Universalist theologians. Um, We are fated to be free. It's our fate all of us. And even though we are human, merely beings um, who make mistakes, who are prone to um, to self-delusion, who need to be challenged in order to find the right way, that's true of everybody. Um, And if you hand your thinking over to some authority that that's a decision you make because you trust that authority, but you're still acting out of your own freedom. So, you know, we kind of have these polls, right? If it feels good, do it, which is just, um, well, kind of an ethically untenable stand. Um, Certainly, it seems like it's refusing to make decisions. And then on the other End of the poll, we have this sort of dogmatism that just hands one's judgment over to another authority without acknowledging that that's what one is doing. And I'm thinking there's gotta be something besides those two polls. And I think those of us who accept that we are fated to be free, who recognize our freedom and our responsibility, find a way in that middle ground. W.E.B. Du Bois said this beautifully, liberty trains for liberty, responsibility is the first step in responsibility. So just acknowledging we're fated to be free, we're fated to be responsible for ourselves, that is the training that that we need. Okay, so the question remains, since we affirm our freedom and responsibility to find our own way, What prevents us from self-indulgently changing spiritual or moral principles whenever it's convenient? And there's one classical Protestant formula that that I kind of like because it gives us a variety of, of things to draw on. It says we should draw equally on scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Now I'm not saying those four. In fact, I have a list of nine that I'd like to, um, to suggest to you as a remedy for this self-indulgent principle shifting. All right, so here it is. Reverend Morgan Stern's home remedy. Nine ingredients. Ingredient number one, reason. Whatever spiritual ideas we embrace whatever writings and traditions we choose to accept as our guides, they have to pass the test of do they make sense? Do they have a logic to them? Do they have a consistency to them? Now, I think there are people in this country today who, when you dig right down to what they believe, they're saying that reason is a tool of the devil. I think reason leads us wrong. And Unitarian Universalists believe just the opposite. Not that reason is the whole picture. Like I said, one ingredient out of nine that I'll suggest, but you know, one of our early number, an almost Unitarian was Thomas Jefferson. Problematic guy, but uh, here's something that he wrote in a letter to his nephew. Your own reason is the only oracle given you by heaven. Now, he was given to overstatement, and I think he was putting it a little simplistically. I can think of some other oracles um, that we have in our possession. But I love that he thought of reason as something divine. You know, he was saying to his nephew, if you want to have an argument with people who think that they have the truth from heaven, here you go. Your reason came to you from the same source. And um, you need to use it. So reason in this way of thinking doesn't lead us away from spirituality. It's it's kind of the royal road to spiritual depth and truth. And if our beliefs withstand rational examination, um, then they're likely to be firm and we're not going to just easily discard them when they become inconvenient. Ingredient number two is frequent conversation with those who don't share one's views, one's beliefs. There's no crucible to purify our views like real conversation with an articulate, thoughtful person who doesn't share these views. It makes me think of the old story, you know, this, this kind of joke about, um, the man who's, um, looking for something under the street light and, um, a woman says, what are you looking for? Can I help you? And he says, yeah, I dropped my keys. So she, she gets right down on the ground and starts um, helping him to look for the keys until she says, I don't think they're here. Um, are you sure this is where you dropped them? And he says, "Oh, Oh no, I dropped them over in that alley, but it's dark over there and it's light here. So, you know, looking for the truth only among people who already completely agree with you is like looking where the street light is instead of where the truth is actually to be found. You, you have to actually go into the places where it's challenging and difficult, or you might find something, but it won't be what you're looking for. the same token, part of ingredient number two, this matter of um, conversation with those with whom um, you don't agree, is um, reading books, scriptures, passages, poems, etc. that don't currently make sense to your worldview. It's tempting to just pull out the passages from whatever these texts might be. Um, that we already agree with that we like best and those are great they can be great guides and everything but we also have to look beyond that if our goal is to stretch beyond our current beliefs to take in truths that might have eluded us thus far it's really good to sit with some of those words that we don't agree with or that just don't make sense to us and think what are they trying to tell me what What worldview might encompass those? That's where we really um, find ourselves going to surprising places and exciting places and new truths. Ingredient number three is attention to very old writings and ideas. Now, we all know the test of time doesn't necessarily mean that something is true. Heaven knows there are a lot of really bad ideas out there that have been in currency for thousands of years. However, spending time with thoughts that human beings have pondered for millennia is a really rich practice for trying to guard against this sort of flash in the pan trendiness, Ingredient number four is openness to very new writing. You know, if we're going to be responsible explorers of spiritual possibilities, then we have to be open to new ideas that might be surprising, might even be disturbing. And this is one reason that ingredient number five is so important. This part of the remedy for too easy um, beliefs is membership in a challenging, thoughtful, supportive faith community. Ours helps nurture each of us through these tough revelations. We create conversations together to help one another to sort things out that we're wondering about so that, especially when we come upon a path that feels difficult, we know we're not taking it alone. And If we take one that feels joyful, it's good to have companions on that. too. Another time that we're really glad to have a strong community around us is when we add in the volatile yeast that is ingredient number six. And that is constant and challenging self assessment. Without dogmas or scriptures that are kind of cracking the whip, we need to crack it ourselves. Um, To quote one of my scriptures, um, Bob Dylan said, to live outside the law, you must be honest. And we're choosing to live outside the law here. And so we have to be really honest with ourselves. Another part of being honest is exercising an extreme suspicion of any beliefs that are easy or convenient or likely to irritate. Our parents. Good ideas may be all three of these, but these are signals um, that one should turn up the self-examination a notch or two. I think most of us um, are here at a Unitarian Universalist Church because we want to bring that clear-eyed examination to, um, to scriptures. Um, we also have to bring it to our own beliefs to our own lives, to our own experiences. Ingredient number seven, a disciplined spiritual practice can help keep our, our vision clear, can help keep our, our, um, our way open to, to the truth that we're seeking. And there's lots of ways to do that um, here in this community. There's the meditation group. There's the your side singers that engage in, in a, a spiritual singing that they offer as a gift to one another and themselves and to those um, who need the lift of music. There is the sacred text group. Um, there are many opportunities to d- enter into deep discussion with one another. Um, there's the Sunday service. They're singing in the choir. There are so many spiritual practices available to us right here um, whether they are communal like those or alone like coming early and walking the labyrinth um, in the privacy of of our own thoughts um, the important thing is that we have practices that keep us accountable to ourselves that remind us preferably daily, of where we've been and our aspirations and the kind of ruts we tend to fall into. We start to notice them if we're doing a regular practice. Again, someone who has um, a, a firm belief in, in a, a God who speaks to them and gives them guidance um, as or, or has um, a scripture that they consider infallible, They have that anchor that keeps them from blowing away in a strong wind, and if you question such anchors, you need another kind, and a daily practice can be that. Another important ingredient, the eighth one in the remedy, is plenty of time outdoors. Jonathan Edwards, who's best known to most of us for his uh, hellfire preaching, um, he believed that the book of Scripture, for him, the Christian Bible, was paired with the book of nature, which was equally revelatory. If you wanted to know God's will, you could look into the book of the Bible, or you could look into the book of creation, and you really should do both. I like what Annie Dillard wrote actually better than Jonathan Edwards. She's more my style. She said, the universe was not made in jest, but in solemn, incomprehensible earnest by a power that is unfathomably secret and holy and fleet. And when we go paddling a kayak down a river, or when we go walking in the Baylands or up in Yosemite, we leave the realm of the little meaningless meanings that often crowd our lives. Worries about inconsequential things like the irritating boss and family squabbles and financial disappointments and temporary setbacks Nature brings us into a realm whose meaning might elude our grasp, but just the same, it fills our senses. Nature has a way of shaking us down to the bare essentials. And what is spirituality other than to feel in one's bones what is truly essential? And finally, an ingredient that I think of it as working sort of like the last ingredient that's dropped into the scientist's uh, beaker in, um, in a movie scene that makes this cloudy solution turn beautifully clear and this bright color. And it's ironic because this ingredient is a high tolerance of uncertainty and ambiguity, and most of all, I think this requires a capital letter, MYSTERY, MYSTERY with a capital M. Whatever we may discover in the course of our search for truth, the world does not have to explain itself to our limited minds. All the revelations of science and exploration have reminded us that in the words, of the scientist, J.B.S. Haldane, the universe is not only queerer than we suppose, it is queerer than we can suppose. So an openness to mystery is our final ingredient. Pour them all together, mix them up a little, and there's your remedy. Reason. Conversation with people and books that we don't agree with attention to very old ideas, attention to very new ideas, belonging to a challenging, loving faith community, continuing honest self assessment, keeping up a disciplined, preferably daily spiritual practice, communing with nature, and being open to mystery. That's the nine ingredients that come to my mind. Maybe you have a few that you'd like to add to the recipe. And that would be a really neat conversation to have among yourselves and share it with me. So whether you've been a Unitarian Universalist for a couple of months, or for your whole life, or for an hour, or if you're not sure yet whether you are one, Welcome to the faith of the free. Here we search, we question, we strive to be both unfettered and thoroughly grounded in our searching. And we remember that some of what is worth knowing is probably unknowable for us. Look around you. Look at the people sitting nearby. Look at the other faces on this screen. They're all searching too. And we can share with one another what we've tried, what we've found, what we've questioned, so that we can help one another along this searching path that we have freely chosen. Blessed be.